cuts in his sides and legs and had to withdraw from the race. Meanwhile, the tortoise, slow but sure, finished the race in grand style. Can I encourage you? You can do this. You can finish the race in grand style. A sprint. Life is not a sprint. It's step by step. Well, good morning, Rethink Life Church. How you guys doing today? Awesome, awesome. Hey, we have a very special time that we want to just carve out for just a moment as we begin our service and uh, uh, before I bring today's message. And we want to have a moment during our time of service to be able to really just honor and to recognize some very, very important people, some amazing people. And I think they're still trying to or get organized over there. But uh, anyway, hey, today is graduation Sunday, and uh, we're excited to take a few moments and to honor and to celebrate some amazing graduates. So give them a round of applause as they come out. And uh, man, what an incredible accomplishment. My wife, Michelle, and I... Uh, we actually got in about midnight last night from Birmingham, Alabama, where we had the opportunity to participate in our son's uh, commencement exercises. And, uh, and so, you know, it was just such an incredible time as we uh, got to see and experience so many walk across that stage and really just reach a significant milestone. And with that, these particular students have crossed a major milestone of accomplishment, and we couldn't be more proud of them. But we want to take just a moment and introduce them to you so we can put faces and names together and also share where they are being led and the next steps that they are taking in their new journey in life. All right, Chelsea. All right, I'm going to start right here. We have Carolina Alcantara. Woo! Yeah. Carolina is graduating from Lake Nona High School this year, and she's going to be attending Liberty University in the fall, studying film production. Next we have Miss Nicole Marie Mendenhall. Let's give it up for Nicole. Nicole will be graduating from Lake Nona High School this year as well. She'll be attending Tallahassee Community College before moving on to FSU. We have Faith Isabella Johnson. Let's give it up for Faith. Faith is graduating from Lake Nona High School as well, and she'll be attending Valencia College in the fall to pursue her bachelor's in nursing. That's awesome. Caitlin Fisher. Let's give it up for Caitlin. Caitlin is graduating from Harmony High School this year, and she will be attending Valencia College this fall before heading to UCF to, uh, to obtain her bachelor's in elementary education. Congratulations, Caitlin. All right, next we have Mr. Jet Edge. <laughs> Jet is graduating from Lake Nona High School this year, and he will be attending UCF um, in the fall to continue his career in production with a focus as a lighting director. All right, and give it up. These are high school graduates this year, so let's give it up for our high school graduates one more time. And last but certainly not least, we have a college graduate with us this morning, Emery Olivo. 
Emery is graduating from the American College of Education with a master's degree in educational leadership. She has been teaching for 11 years, awesome. and she is going to be teaching this fall at Narcusi Middle School. That's Congratulations, great. Emery. Awesome. Well, I want to borrow your, air, your arrow here because some of you probably are wondering what in the world are those arrows for and what are they going to use those on or who are they going to use those on. And uh, today, as a gift and really as a tangible reminder for these students, what we wanted to do is we wanted to have something that we felt like would give some divine guidance. As a matter of fact, we gave them a book and one of those books is probably one of the best books I've read in many, many years. Uh, it's by a pastor by the name of Craig Rochelle from Oklahoma. He wrote this book called The Divine Connection. And it's really an amazing book that just outlines the next steps when it comes to gaining wisdom and guidance and a sense of direction in life's journey. And it's a fantastic book. And so as a gift, we want to put that into your hands to help guide you in a way that will support you and encourage you and speak life into you. And that book has some incredible principles that you will cherish for the rest of your life. This arrow is also symbolic because in many ways, your parents, grandparents, we feel like as a church family, we've come alongside, we've done everything we can to pray over you, to invest in you, to sow into you, to help really just raise you up, even to use your own gifts and abilities the way that you do in and through our church here at Rethink Life. And so in many ways, many of you, you're going to be going into those next chapters of life. And you're either starting a new career path, a new opportunity, maybe that next season of your higher education. But we know that one of the things that we are doing is we, just like, in, just like a, an arrow, is pulled back with a bow. What are we doing? We are actually releasing those arrows into the world. And that's exactly what we're doing. We are releasing you. In other words, we are sending you into the world to go and to make a difference, to be salt and to be light and to be used of God in your sphere of influence to make a difference for all eternity. And so we want you to know, hey, we love you. We're so proud of you. Grateful for your faithfulness, your perseverance, your persistence. And uh, I believe with all of my heart, God has amazing plans. He has a hope and he has a future for each of your lives, according to Jeremiah 29. Verse 11 is one of my favorite all-time verses of scripture. And we're going to pray over that over your lives today. And so, hey, church family, would you do me a favor? And would you just extend your right hand towards these graduates today? And would you join me in a spirit of prayer as we pray over them? And Father, we thank you for these amazing uh, young leaders, God, that you have raised up and you're continuing to raise up to be mighty soldiers in your army, Lord, as they are going into new seasons and new opportunities. And Lord, you're, you're expanding their sphere of influence. And God, I pray that you will lead them and guide them in every step along the way. Lord, I pray that they would be, Lord, salt and light to this world that so desperately needs, that, needs it. And God, I pray that you will protect them, that your hand of provision would be upon them. And God, we pray in Jesus' name that you'll use them in an amazing way to point men and women, other students, to a saving knowledge of Jesus because of the Jesus that lives in and through their lives. And so I pray that today, that Lord, your hand would be with them, that your face would shine upon them, and Lord, that you would bless them in every way, in every step along life's journey that they take. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Let's give them one more round of applause today.
we are proud of you guys and uh, so grateful for the sacrifices and the commitment you guys have made. The best is yet to come and uh, we're excited for what God is going to do. Well, today is um, really just a special time as we not only honor and celebrate these uh, for reaching such a great milestone in their life, but I want to share something today that I think is going to be practical on a very day-to-day uh, -day level. And it's not only a message that I pray that the uh, students, the graduates today will embrace and ultimately live out, but also pray that all of us in this room will be challenged in a very personal way to live out these particular principles or truths in our own lives. You know, some of these things that I'm going to be sharing today may not be anything new. There's nothing earth-shattering. There's nothing you know, when it comes to uh, some un unknown truth that I'm going to unveil today. But what these particular truths really represent are some things that many of us, I think, have good intentions of fulfilling, but for whatever reason, we get distracted along life's journey. And we sometimes neglect or fall short of applying some of these truths into our lives. And I want to begin by sharing... Uh, a number of years ago, an American uh, rifle shooter who had competed in multiple Olympic Games uh, actually was competing in 2004 in Athens, Greece. And you, you can only imagine, these are some of the best shooters. They are the best of the best of these amazing athletes, but yet they have such precision in their ability to shoot a rifle, to hit the bullseye time and time again. Well, Matthew Emmons uh, happens to be one of these Olympians who, over the course of time, he's competed in multiple Olympic Games. He's received and achieved multiple uh, Olympic medals. But in 2004, at the Games there in Athens, Greece, he had already achieved one gold medal. And he was on his way to actually achieve his second gold medal. In fact, he had such a large lead between himself and the one who was behind him in second place when he reached the final station, when he was getting ready to actually fire the final shot towards the target, all Matthew literally had to do was to hit the target anywhere. It didn't matter whether he hit the bullseye or not. He had such a massive lead all he needed to do was to hit the target. And so there's an audience watching. And here he is. He lines up. And he takes aim. And as he takes aim, he pulls the trigger. And sure enough, he nails the bullseye. I mean, this guy is the best of the best. And literally smack dab nails the bullseye when all of a sudden there's this gasp that takes place in the audience. And suddenly in this moment, Matthew Emmons realized he did something wrong. And we have an actual picture of the expression on his face. It's a blurred image here. But you can only imagine what he had realized is that he aimed for the wrong target. Even though he hit the bullseye, unfortunately, he had aimed for the wrong target. And because of that... He not, only, he not only forfeited or, or lost the opportunity to receive a gold medal, but he actually ended up dropping down and finishing in eighth place. 
It was a catastrophic moment. But here was a guy who had the best of intentions. He took aim. But the problem was, is that he was aiming for the wrong target. And I think what happens is, for a lot of people, they can have the best of intentions. The expression, you know, a lot of people spend their whole life trying to climb the ladder of of success when only to arrive at the top of the ladder to realize that they've been, their, their ladder is actually leaning against the wrong wall. And what we have to understand is that life is too short to aim for the wrong things. And that's the reason why today I want to take a few moments and just share some things on a very personal and practical level that I think is going to challenge all of us. I've had the opportunity uh, to be in ministry for over 33 years. I know I don't look like I'm 33, but anyway, been in ministry for 33 years. I've been married to my wife, Michelle, for almost 31 years. June 1st, we'll be celebrating 31 years. We have three adult kids. In fact, as I just alluded, we uh, flew in late last night from Birmingham, Alabama. And we have three kids uh, who all love Jesus and are making a, a difference with their lives and their sphere of influence and the places that God has placed them in. And I say all that to say that being in the ministry and raising children and really pastoring a lot of people, a lot of families along the way, if I could sit down with anybody just one-on-one over a cup of coffee or, you know, whatever, and we could just have a one-on-one chat, and if I could just narrow some things down, in other words, if I could just sit down and I could share with you five things, just five things, when it comes to priorities or, or maybe principles or values or whatever you want to call it, if I could sit down and say, here are five things, if I could do my life all over again and I could encourage anybody else to focus on five specific things, these would be the five things that I would challenge myself and challenge our graduates and really challenge all of us to embrace in our lives. I had somebody come up to me a few moments ago and they said, hey, I I heard about your message today and man, I'm amazed. You mean you're only going to say five things? I said, man, that was hard enough just to get it down to five things. We'd be here all day if I actually shared the things that I have learned and experienced, but I'm going to do my best to share them in five things. I actually just finished a book, which some of you probably know by now. It's called The Double Win. And this double win has eight specific questions in it. And a lot of these eight questions are things that I've just have learned through the course of my life that I'm kind of speaking out of today. But what I've learned is that these eight questions really get down below to help people really kind of rethink and refocus their lives about what really matters most. And what we've come to realize is that these are eight questions that everyone needs to ask, especially when it comes to winning at work because that's what most of us are all involved in on a day-by-day basis. 90%, uh, excuse me, three-fourths of our entire life, uh, in many ways, is going to be spent uh, in the workplace. And so some 90,000 hours of our entire life will be spent in our careers. And so work is a major piece of our lives, and yet our home is the other significant piece of our lives. And what I've come to realize is that if you're not winning at home, chances are you're not going to be winning at work. And if you're not winning at work, chances are you're not going to be winning at home. And one of the things we've done in this book, which I'm going to be sharing with, really talking about today, is the issue of priorities. I call it the priorities question. 
And the principle behind the priorities question is this. We have to come to a place where we, where we learn to be able to position ourselves so that we can say no to the good and yes to the best. Because life has a lot of options, right? We all have a lot of opportunities to take advantage of. And a lot of those opportunities are good opportunities. They're good options. But they may not be the best options. They may not be the best things that God has for our lives. And I want to share a verse of scripture in Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16. And this is an unusual verse of scripture. Many of you perhaps have maybe never connected the dots with this specific passage or verse of scripture. But in Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16 it says it this way. This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. It's interesting is that the prophet Jeremiah had been speaking over the people of Israel, had been speaking truth into their lives. He had been delivering God's message to them. But unfortunately, the Babylonians had taken siege. They had literally taken uh, over Israel at the time. In fact, they had uh, taken them in captivity and they had destroyed the temple. And through the multiple devastating attacks that the Babylonians had on the people of Israel, the people of Israel got angry towards God. And because they got angry towards God and blamed God for their hardships, what happened was, is they began to tune God out. In other words, they turned a deaf ear towards God and towards the prophet Jeremiah. But Jeremiah was reminding them some very important truths. And the important truths were the unchanging truths and the original plans and the original purposes that God had for his people. You know, what's interesting is that we live in this world, we live in a culture today where everybody likes newer, everybody wants to be, you know, uh, in a place where they can have the best and the, the brightest and the fastest and, you know, everybody wants to, you know, have the latest, greatest or whatever. And unfortunately, the culture has adopted so many things when it comes to new ideas, new, new ide ideology, and, and new, new perspectives, and maybe a new philosophy towards this or towards that. You know where everybody's got the new and the latest and greatest thing. But here's the deal. Just because it's new doesn't mean it's true. And the problem is, is that we live in this culture today that wants to deceive us and they want to do everything they can to entice us to buy into it. But what Jeremiah is reminding the people once again is this. He says, while you stop at the crossroads trying to figure out as you're standing at the fork of the road, should I go this way or should I go that way? What is the right path for me? And that's where many students are. And that's where many people, even adults, after they have maybe gone through multiple career changes, maybe they have gone through different situations and circumstances that once again leads them back to that place of confusion, trying to figure out, should I go down this path or should I go down that path? And at the end of the day, there's only one path 
that God wants us to focus on. And that is the path that resembles his his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will for our lives. God wants us, while we're standing in the fork of the road, trying to decide what direction we should go, he wants us to do one thing, and that is to ask for the old way. God, what is your plan? God, what is your purpose? God, what is important to you? Because whatever your will is, I want it to be my will. God, whatever is important to you, I want that to be important to me. And so what we're doing is we're asking God for his old, original, godly plan and purpose to be manifested in our lives so that we can walk that way. So we can follow in his footsteps and follow his plans for our lives. Amen? Because when we do that, that's what sets us up for success. So Jeremiah said, he said, travel in its path and you will find rest for your souls. So what are five things that I would say to anybody when it comes to maybe prioritizing their life? I would encourage everyone to prioritize their lives, maybe even their relationships, their marriages. Everything really, in many ways, when you think about it, can revolve around these five specific things. And the first is this, and that is your faith. At the end of the day, we got to prioritize our faith. Lifeway Research did a study not long ago, and they came to this really just a, an eye-opening realization that 70% of teenagers who grew up in church, graduate from high school, 70% do not return back to church. What they also discovered is that after a period of 10 years, basically a decade from the time they graduate from high school to where they are at that stage or season in their life, 50% begin to return back to the church. And what I've begun to realize and see is I begin to see the migration of many people 10 years later, maybe after they've gotten married, maybe after they've gotten married and potentially gone through a horrific divorce, Maybe they've gotten married and then they've begun a family. They've established themselves in a career. And now all of a sudden they're rethinking what's most important. They're rethinking their values. They're rethinking their priorities. And they begin to realize there is something missing in my life. And what happens? They're going back to the old original way. Because they're trying to find something to bring meaning, to give guidance, and to give direction. And what did they do? What happened perhaps, not intentionally, but maybe unintentionally, they drifted. And over the course of 10 years, through drifting, getting distracted, maybe all of the roadblocks and obstacles that came against them caused them to miss out on some very important foundational things. And most of all, what was missing was their faith. And here's what the scripture teaches us. In fact, this is not in, it won't be on the slide. I read this this morning and I want to share it with you. It's in Matthew chapter 7, excuse me, yeah, Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Jesus said these words to a group of religious people. And he said, you know, not everyone that calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We, we performed many miracles in your name. But then Jesus said, I will reply, I never knew you. You said, what in the world does that mean? What that means is, is that there will come a day when many people will assume 
they'll get to go to heaven after they die because they were religious. Maybe because they participated in rituals. But the problem is, is that religion and rituals don't get us to heaven. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ is what gets us to heaven. Why do 70% of teenagers perhaps drift and go the opposite direction at times after they leave high school? I'm convinced it's simply because a lot of them have never owned their faith for themselves. In other words, they've never put their faith and trust in Jesus, nor did they actually develop a relationship with him on a day-by-day basis. And I just want to encourage every person, especially our, our graduates and especially all of us here today, that we have to own our faith. If there's one thing that can serve as an unshakable foundation in your life, it is your faith. It's the reason why it's so vitally important that we just don't have a Sunday-only God. Did you hear me? We can't have just a Sunday-only God. And the problem is, is that for a lot of people, they only give God a couple of hours, maybe, just maybe, you know, a week. And that's when they show up at church. But listen, God is not impressed with just a couple of hours of us going to church. What he wants is a moment-by-moment, day-by-day relationship. We were made so that we could be in relationship with our Creator. God wants to have a relationship with us. John 15. I gave my son, in fact, Michelle and I both, we, we gave him a graduation gift and we gave him a card and I wrote John 15 in his uh, card. And the reason why I wrote John 15 is because I truly believe that is the secret to the Christian life. Because Jesus said, if those who abide in me and I in them will bear forth much fruit. The problem is, is that when we are severed from the when when we are severed from, from the vine, those of us who are branches, if we are cut off, if we are not producing, if we are not connected to the vine, listen, what happens is, is we are on our own. We become vulnerable to attack. We allow the world and the culture to, to distract us. And that's the reason why Jesus reminded us in that passage, he said, You can't do anything apart from me. So we got to make Jesus the source of our faith. we got to make Jesus the foundation of our faith. And we got to understand that the greatest single goal of our lives as followers of Jesus Christ, you ready for this, is to love God deeper and to shine brighter everywhere we go. God wants us to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Colossians, Paul said it this way in Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. He said, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Hey, it's one thing to get into the Word of God. But listen to me. It's another thing for the Word of God to get into you. So we've got to grow our roots in our faith. And that faith has got to be rooted in the person of Jesus Christ so that we have a relationship with Him. That's number one. Number two would be not only our faith, your faith, 
but also your relationships, my relationships. Relationships matter. You know, I've, I've often said that relationships, friendships, are kind of like elevators. Our friends are either taking us up or they're bringing us down. And it doesn't matter whether you're young, doesn't matter whether you're an older adult, been around for a while, doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we are the sum total of the people we associate with. So think about who we spend the majority of our time with. It's been said that we are the average of our five closest friends. So think about the relationships. Think about the friendships in our lives. As the old saying goes, hey, show me your friends and I'll show you your what? Your future. Here's what the scripture says in Proverbs 13 verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise and associate with fools and get into all kinds of trouble. You see, most of us, we get up, we go off to school, we go off to work. You know what we forget to do? We forget to put on our relational sunblock. That's right, there's such a thing. We forget, we forget to put our relational sunblock on. So what do we do? We, we go off to school and we're, we're exposed to uh, harmful, toxic people, right? We go into the workplace and what happens? We're exposed to a lot of harmful, toxic people. And so what happens if we begin to associate and we begin to spend time with and we begin to hang with those people, what happens? We end up getting burned. And so we've got to make sure that when it comes to our relationships that we think about who we spend our most time with. Because listen, you can look at your friends and as you look at your friends, you can also see your future. And so relationships are huge. Number three, we have to think about our values. So we got to prioritize our faith. we got to prioritize our relationships. But we also have to prioritize our values. In other words, we have to value our values. Now I'm convinced we live in a culture today that doesn't even really even understand, in many respects what values are. I think we have a generation that has grown up with this mindset that basically I am my own truth. And therefore, because I am my own truth and and I can do what is right in my own eyes, I ultimately can discern or determine what is right and what is wrong and what is best for me when it comes to my truth. And that all sounds cool, and that's modern, you know, culture lingo. But at the end of the day, what did Jeremiah says? we got to go back to the old, original values of God's original plan, God's original principles and purposes for our lives. Be rooted in them, because that's where we find rest for our souls. That's the old godly way that God wants us to have. So we have to value our values. Now, what are values? Values are those things that are most important to us. Principles, standards, um, having, you know, a sense of conviction when it comes to things that are right and are true according to God's words, not according to what popular culture says, not according to what some politician says, but ultimately what God says. And therefore, we root our values and what's important to God. So God's values become our values. And it's important that we realize that in Micah 6 verse 8, 
Micah, the prophet, even says it, says it this way. He said, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So what I would encourage any person to do, whether you're a graduate from high school, or whether you're a graduate from college, or starting out in your career, or maybe in your family, or, or maybe somebody who's been around for a while, it's always important to go back and revisit our values. And the question is, do you value your values? You say, well, I don't even know if I have values that I could really identify. If you don't have a list of values, I want to challenge you to identify, write out, put on paper, a list of things that are really most important to you. Standards, convictions, things that you desire to live out in your life. When my wife Michelle and I, we began our family and our kids were of age where they could participate, we actually, as a family, we identified seven specific core values and we wrote them out. And they kind of became like a code, if you will, or creed that really helped us you know, in many ways, navigate through conversations, navigate through choices and decisions that we had to make as a family. And that's exactly what values do. They, they act as guardrails to protect us, and they help as guidelines to direct us. And so when that happens is values begin to become a compass that allows us to serve in many ways as a source of direction that's going to guide and navigate our lives. And every decision we make is filtered through those values. Because listen, muddy values creates unclear priorities. And when we have unclear priorities, it's because we have muddy values. And so we have to value our values. So here's what I would encourage you to do. I know this sounds maybe a little, um, you know, unusual, but it's a healthy exercise. I heard someone once in a workshop that I attended, I was speaking on the subject, they said, if you have a hard time identifying maybe your values of what's most important to you, then fast forward to your 80th birthday. And if you're around at 80 years of age, on that 80th birthday, this major milestone of your life, that 80th birthday, what is it? that you want people to say about you. While you're still alive, what is it that you would want people to say about your life and the influence that you've had because of the way that you've lived and shown your life as an example for others to live by? What kind of values would you want them to say that you have inspired them to live out in their own lives? That's huge. Another thing, this sounds a little morbid, <laughs> But they said, what if you only have 30 days to live? Let's just say you learn tomorrow that you only have 30 days to live. If you only had 30 days to live, you would get a grasp of your priorities real quick, right? You would learn really quick on how to say no to the good so you could say yes to the best to the last 30 days of your life. You would begin to sift through the people who matter most in your life. You begin to look at your schedule. You begin to look at what you've committed to. You begin to look at everything because everything suddenly comes into clear focus because you have 30 days to live your life. The bigger question is, how would you live your life if you knew you only had 30 days to live? What changes, what adjustments, 
would you make if you knew you had 30 days to live? Those are important questions, huge questions, hard questions, but big questions when it comes to embracing those kind of values in our lives. The fourth thing is our growth. It's our growth. Because I think what happens a lot of times, people think that for whatever reason, growth is kind of like automatic. You kind of reach a certain stage or season in your life and you just suddenly kind of just begin to grow all the time because of all the things that life is throwing at you. But that's a deception. Growth is not automatic. It's a process and we have to be intentional with how we live our lives so that we are constantly growing, stretching, developing in every area of our lives. Nothing kills potential more so than complacency. And a lot of people, we get stuck in a rut, right? We find this place that we work really hard to get to, and it's a place of what? Comfort. It's a place of predictability. And what happens is, is that comfort breeds complacency. And what happens is we fall into a rut and we no longer grow. We no longer allow situations or circumstances to stretch us to become stronger, healthier, better, wiser. And that's something that God wants us to do. Spiritually, relationally, financially, physically. You know, Jesus grew, the Bible says, in wisdom. He grew in physical stature. He, he, he grew in, 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 in the spiritual knowledge of God, but he also grew, the Bible says, relationally, even with the favor of man. And we have to do the same thing. We've got to position ourselves. We are constantly growing, developing, and becoming everything that God has destined us to be. I heard someone say it this way. Consider this plan for growth. They said, focus 70% of your time and energy... Focusing on your strengths, what you do best. 25% learning new concepts or skills. And 5% improving upon your weaknesses. What an incredible opportunity for us to be in a place of continual growth. Maturing and developing and becoming everything that God has intended for us to be. The fifth thing is this. So we've talked about your faith. We've talked about relationships. We've talked about our values. We've talked about growth, the importance of it, but this is a huge one, and that is your calling. Your calling. You know, in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Look at me and listen to me. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have a relationship with him, can I just say just a word of life into you, just a word that I believe with all of my heart. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to understand that you have been called of God. You have been called of God to shine brighter, to love deeper, to love better, and to be salt and to be light into a world that's living in darkness. God has called, he has equipped all of us. You see, I often hear the statement, I'm sure you probably have heard it too. Listen, God does not call the qualified. No, he qualifies the called. 
The moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ and become a follower of His, we are called, listen to this, to a person. We are called to follow Him. We are called as He leads us and guides us. We are called to walk in His ways and to do His will in every area of our lives. And I believe with all of my heart when people in the church, those of us here today, understand and embrace this truth can be a game changer because it shifts our perspective. Because often when we hear the term leadership in the church, we often think in the context of leadership in the church. In other words, inside these walls. But do you realize that studies show that basically on average 98% of the people inside the church they don't work for the church. You're not employees of the church. You've been called of God to go out into the world, into the marketplace as missionaries to be evangelists. The last thing we need is more preachers. What we need are more reachers that are going out into the world like that arrow where we are sending out into the place of business, into the place of commerce, into the place of arts, into technology, into education, in all the circles and spheres of influence where we are called of God to be the light to the world and to shine wherever God places us. Listen, your career is what you get paid for, but your, listen, your ministry is what you are made for. And you need to understand that God has a calling on your life. He has a calling on your life. Whether you're a business professional, entrepreneur, stay-at-home mom, listen, stay-at-home dad, whatever your calling is, God has called you and he's equipped you and he's given you everything you need to be a difference maker in this world. So if I could just narrow five things down, if I could go back and even challenge myself in these five areas, if I could sit down with you as I say at the very beginning and I could say, you know what, if you could just, if you could just aim at the right target, aim for those five things. Be committed. Prioritize your faith. Prioritize your relationships. Prioritize your values. Prioritize the growth, the personal growth in your life. Prioritize your calling. Because you know what? We've been called. God has equipped us. And the world is waiting for us to take this life-giving, life-changing message that the world desperately needs. And what the world needs more than anything is to see us walk it out. To see us live it out. Listen, you might be the only Bible your friends will ever, will ever read. You might be the only church your business associate will ever attend. And you might be the only Jesus they'll ever come in contact with. And that's the reason why our faith, our relationships, our values, our growth, our calling, that's why it all matters. So aim for that.
I believe God will do things in and through our lives that we would have never thought possible. Amen. Let's bow our heads together in a moment of prayer. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I just want to take a moment and just allow those of us in this room just to think about the process, to revisit those five areas in our lives. How are you doing in your faith? On a scale of one to ten. How would you rate your personal relationship, your daily walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? How would you rate your current relationships and friendships? Are they taking you up or are they bringing you down? Are they serving as a distraction in your growth? How are you doing in your values? Do you really value your values? How about your growth? Are you reaching your full potential? Are you becoming all that you could be? All that God has equipped you to experience in your life? Have you embraced your calling? And do you see the assignment that God has given to you? Whether it's in a school campus, whether it's in a place of business, wherever it is. Ask God today to take you back to the old ways. To walk in the path that God has for you. Some of you here today... Maybe this whole faith issue is where the challenge is. Maybe you've been religious. Maybe you've even been in church. Maybe you have tried the whole Christianity thing, but maybe you have failed to trust Jesus through the finished work that he did on Calvary's cross over 2,000 years ago. Maybe what's missing today is the relationship. Maybe what today you need more than anything is just to surrender your life to Jesus, to make him the Lord of your life, to establish a personal relationship with him. If that's your desire today, would you be willing to pray this prayer? You can say something like this. Just say, dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. Today, by faith, I invite you into my life to forgive me and to save me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul today as I commit my life to you. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. I'm going to ask that those of you who just prayed that prayer just then, hey, we want you to know you just made, I believe, life's greatest decision. And I'm going to ask our church family, would you do me a favor and just give those a round of applause today and celebrate those who have made, have just made that important decision in their heart. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe. They said.
spend time and energy what you do best, learn new concepts or skills, improving upon opportunities. What an incredible be in a place of maturing, becoming everything needed for us to be. So we've talked about talked about relationships, we've talked about growth, but this is a huge one. You know, in Acts chapter, the Apostle Paul said it this way. Life is unless I use the work assigned me, Jesus.